Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Saturday, February the 17th, 2024, at 1.26 p.m. Central Time. Now, it's Saturday, February the 17th. I don't know what you're focused on today. Lots of college basketball. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. But for some of us, well, today kind of, in a way, kicks off the NASCAR season. I know there's already been another race, but this really kind of, this kind of starts it all off. The Infinity Race, I believe, is today. And then tomorrow is the Daytona 500. I mean, come on. That's, okay, well, maybe, maybe you're not interested in it. I'm not really a car person at all. Don't know how to work on cars. Don't really care. I, I see a car is giving me to point A to point B, but for some reason, I like watching NASCAR. I have no clue when they're talking about making adjustments on the car, what they're talking about, but I like doing that. And guess what? It's only one of about 27,000 other things I like to do. I like watching, oh, I mean, I could just make a list of all the different things I like to watch, all the things I like to listen to, all the things I like to read, all the things I like to do. And well, my life is then, well, preoccupied with so many things. And I cannot be the only one, right? I can't be the only one. You've got a lot, you probably have a lot of things you like to do, a lot of things you enjoy. And if you're honest with yourself, you probably enjoy those things Probably far more than you do probably spiritual things, right? I mean, many of you, if you're honest, some of you love to go out camping or you to love go hiking or you love whatever, spending time doing this or, you know, having a, a, a you know grilling in the backyard, food, whatever it could be, sports, whatever it could be. Um, and you love those things. You find great enjoyment in it. You find great pleasure. A lot of times, those things you love, you're really working to have the money so that you can do the things you love. You may not even actually love your job, but your job gives you the money to do the things you love. You, you, there are all these things that our attention is given to, our thought is given to, our efforts are given to, our money is given to, our focus, dare I say, our devotion, dare I say, maybe in many cases... I know we don't like being honest with ourselves. It may even cross the line into almost idolatry and worship. I think we've all been there. And then, so you have that, all of those things. And then on this other side, you have all of these spiritual things, spiritual discipline, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, memorizing scripture, going to church, evangelism. And then there's this thing called prayer. This thing called prayer, which for many, it may be one of the most difficult disciplines. Now, we could also throw in fasting there. We could throw in some other things. Uh, meditation. I didn't even talk about meditating on scripture. There, there's also, there's all of these disciplines, but prayer may be the most difficult one, right? Because everything stops when it's time for prayer, right? If you're going to have a dedicated time of prayer, everything stops right? You got to turn on, you can't, I mean, you may be able to do some of those things, like you could listen to a sermon and you could, or you could listen to an audio Bible and you could still be doing other things, right? I guess technically maybe in some ways you could do some of these other things and, and still pray. But if we're going to have a dedicated time to pray, everything gets turned off. Everything. You can't be doing it. You, you, you turn everything off. You stop what you're doing and then you spend dedicated time in prayer. And I think sometimes that can be a very difficult discipline. And then there's all the millions of philosophical questions that arise out of prayer, right? So if God is 
all-knowing, right? Then whatever I pray, he already knows. So do do if I it's a five minute prayer is that going to be is that going to lessen the impact versus a thirty minute prayer like and then and then well wait a minute why am I praying and then what does he do and how can, and then just trying to understand how it all works and 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 what what am I actually trying to accomplish in prayer I think sometimes it can just raise lots of philosophical questions sometimes you may feel like what's the point sometimes you may feel like nothing ever really changes you may there can be lots of struggles with it as well as well. And I have been very transparent because we've talked about prayer recently that it's one of the disciplines I struggle with. I just have a hard time with it. I'm not at all pretending anything else. I mean, I I say it all the time. I'm just a sinner with a microphone. And my lack of spirituality probably shows up in my lack of a really committed, dedicated prayer life. And I've given you all of my reasons for it. I'm not going to go into all of that again. But recently, I turned on this microphone to tell everyone about a 24-hour prayer meeting that was occurring on the Sermons 2.0 app and the beta.sermonaudio.com website and all all the platforms, sermonaudio.com, beta.sermonaudio.com, and Sermons 2.0 app. And they were doing a 24-hour prayer meeting. And at the top of each hour... They had someone give like a devotion and then 45 minutes of prayer. Now, it kind of worked a little a little different than I thought it was going to work because kind of what they did was, hey, here's the devotional. Then they turned off the camera and then people would pray. I thought they were going to leave the live stream going so that you could hear the people praying and then you could kind of jump in. But they kind of just did the devotional. And then you were, and then I guess technically what you then were challenged to do is then you would then spend that 45 minutes in prayer yourself, right? You you would spend 45 minutes in prayer yourself. And so I told everyone about it. I did a little discussion about prayer, gave some points about prayer, but then, you know, it just felt like, you know, it started at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then the next thing you know, it was over. It was over. In fact, I felt, I felt that it ended early. I don't think it even went all the way till 7 p.m. Eastern time the next night. I felt it ended like an hour early. I could be wrong, but it felt like it. And it was just over. It was like there and then it was just gone. And I was like, well, okay. And then there was a part of me like, okay, we'll just move on. But then I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't do, I, I, I hate that, right? I hate when something is happening and then I feel like I didn't really, did I take advantage of that? Did I really take advantage of that 24-hour prayer meeting? Did I really get something out of that? Maybe I could have dedicated more time. Like I, then I kind of just kind of, you know, I'm not saying beat myself up, but just kind of like it, it's gone. It was there and it's gone. So what can I do with it? What can I do about it? What should I have done? And so I've been thinking a little bit about prayer, trying to figure out what I, what I can, you know, Hey, February, 2024, you know, there was a 24 hour prayer meeting. Now, how will that 24-hour prayer meeting in February impact me in June or July or August? Like, will will it have any lasting impact beyond right now? And and I and I and I do that with so many things, right? I mean, I've got all kinds of books around me. I've got all kinds of books around me, right? I've got uh Come and See, The Journey of Knowing God Through Scripture. It's sitting right here. I have also right here. 
right here in front of me, I have the doctrine which ye have learned in advanced Bible study. All right, so I have that right here. Then one of the listeners sent me this book. If I can grab it, it's way over here. Okay, God Granted Daily Devotions from C.F.W. Walther. He's the one who wrote the book that we worked on on Law and Gospel. I have that right here. Um, I have study guides, and then I could just I could start picking up. I mean, I've got countless books, and and guess what I think about every time I have a book and I look at it or I read it or I think I you know what I think about it. So is that going to have any impact on me beyond the immediate reading of the book? Am I going to do anything with it? Is it going like is it going to impact me? You know. 2025, 2026. I sometimes do the same things with all the sermons that we listen to and all the sermons we hear. Are, do they have any lasting impact on me beyond the sermon? I mean, millions of people will go to church tomorrow. They'll walk into a building. And we've talked about it, all the money it takes to keep that building going, all the money it takes for the curriculum, all the money it may take for insurance, all of that. And people will go and then they're going to drive away. Are they going to remember that sermon even eight hours after? It's. It, I'm always thinking about that from a spiritual perspective. All the things we do, do they have any lasting impact? So because that's how I'm constantly thinking, I've really been bothered about this 24-hour prayer meeting. Like I, like I, Everyone else may have already moved on, but I'm sitting here going... Well, what do I, I don't know what to do. Now, they uploaded all of the devotional messages for the for the 24-hour prayer meeting. So I can go back and listen to each devotional method uh, message and take a few notes. Okay, maybe I could do that. But then to me, if the devotional messages, if they led directly to the subject of prayer, well, then that's, that would be great. Or if they didn't, then I don't know. Some of them I didn't felt necessarily led directly to prayer. So like, what, so then... Do then, then they, do they just become miniature Bible studies? Like, I don't know. I start struggling. So then I'm like, you know what? I don't know what to do. But I'm going to start trying to spend a little bit more focus and a little bit more time on prayer. So here's what I want you to do. For today's focus, I want you to consider the first five references to prayer in your Bible. The first five references to prayer that is in your Bible. I'm going to present them to you, and then I want you to think about them. I want you to see what you can do with them, all right? And I also want to point you to a book. Now, I'm not sure how I'm going to use this book yet. I'm still debating it. I've just kind of looked at it. I haven't done anything with it yet. So I'm just going to mention it, um, and then you can see. I'm, I signed up. They do, like, I guess a daily like a daily reading from the book. You can sign up for an email for it. And I got the first email today and I looked at it and I'm like, I don't know if I can, what I can even really do with this. So it's not quite what I thought it would be, but because the name associated with the book is so spoken with great reverence and everyone always talks about Matthew Henry. The Matthew Henry commentary. You, you you ever ask anyone for a commentary? You should get the Matthew Henry commentary. I, I remember being independent fundamental Baptist. You should have a Matthew Henry commentary. And then I started reading the Matthew Henry commentary. And I went back to all of those independent fundamental Baptists going, this guy's all millennial. Okay. This is, what, why are you pointing me towards this? This is nothing close to the doctrine. And they're like, oh, wait, I didn't know that. Once again, people recommending books that they haven't actually read. Oh, that used to drive me crazy. So, um, but I want to point you at least to this book. And then what we'll do is we'll look at these for the first five references to prayer that, that's found in the Bible as 
I const- continually try to struggle what I should have gotten out of the 24-hour prayer meeting. I tried to get everyone to pay to pay attention to it. I tried to get people to participate in it. I tried to promote it. I don't know if anyone did anything with it. But I wanted, I, I can't just like, well, there was 24-hour prayer meeting. Okay, what do we do next? I, I'm like, well, wait a minute. We can, something's got to come from that. Something, right? So sh- something emerged from it. Maybe even the people participating in it, maybe they've already moved on. But I, I just feel like something. So that's what we're going to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point you towards a book. And then we're going to look at the first five references to prayer in the Bible. Are these are the first five more significant than the last five? I don't know. Do they show early development? I don't know. Do they show an early basic, a more simple understanding? I don't know. Are they going to help us in any way, shape, or form? I don't know. We're going to look at them. And then your job today for today's focus is to focus on them in the midst of the million other things that are going on. And look at those other things going on. I, I'm like, I'm, I've got a million things going on here. So well, let's see what we can do. Are you ready? First, the book. First, the book. The book is called, if I can find it here, A Method for Prayer by Matthew Henry. A Method for Prayer by Matthew Henry. A a method for prayer. Now, depending on how you look at it, some say a method for prayer, some just say method for prayer, but by Matthew Henry. There's a Kindle edition. You should be able to find it. I haven't explored the book in any great detail, but hey, I saw this and I'm like, you know what? Let's, Matthew Henry is so well respected by many. His commentaries, his commentary um, is constantly promoted. Well, then let's see what he has to say about prayer. So I would challenge you to look up that book. If you look at it, let me know your thoughts. Again, I have not explored this. I did sign up. There's an email. There's a site with an email where you can get a daily reading from the book. And the reading really, I'm kind of like, I don't know what I can do with this. I think maybe I'm going to, if I use any of the book, it may be just the beginning of it just the, the kind of the introduction where they kind of explain a little bit about Matthew Henry's kind of concepts and philosophies and definitions of prayer. I may use it more for that, for that, but you can probably find it for free, cheap for a Kindle. And if you look at it, I would love to get your thoughts, but I want you to kind of just, you know, think about it and and see, because we got to do something. I think we have to do something with that 24 hour prayer meeting. Now let's do this. Are you ready? Let's do this. I'm going to move my Kindle. Let's take some time to look at the first five references to prayer in the Bible. The first three are found in Genesis, and the second, the second two are found uh, in the book of Exodus. So the first three are in Genesis, and the last two are in the book of Exodus. So Genesis and Exodus gives us the first five references to prayer. If for any reason you think I missed one, in other words, here's, here's the first five and you're like, no, 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 no. Your number five should be number six or your number four should be number six because you think there are other references, then by all means, email me and let me know, newsif at yahoo.com. I don't know what significance we're going to find here, but let's at least look. So the first reference is Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. Now, I know some may pick an earlier one. I I do. I kind of know why, right? But 
but you 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 can you can do what you want with that but i'm going to go with genesis 4:26 and we read this genesis chapter 4 verse 26 and to seth to him also there was born a son and he called his name enos then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And then men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. If that is indeed the first reference to prayer, then if we are going to use the most biblical definition, prayer is simply you, me, us, humans, people, calling upon the name of the Lord. One source explained the calling upon the name of the Lord this way, that Genesis 4, 26 highlights the early practice of calling upon the name of the Lord, indicating a form of communicating and relationship with God through prayer. So this is some way that they, they, they were communicating with God. They called upon him. So it, it indicates some belief that there was a God. They call upon his name, right? That, that there's some knowledge, like, you know, it's just not like the unknown something. They call upon his name. There's some knowledge of him and, and it's showing some kind of relationship, some, some desire to communicate. So it's most basic level. Prayer is simply calling upon the name of the Lord. How frequently do you call upon the name of the Lord in any way, shape, or form? In what situations do you call upon the name of the Lord? Do you call upon the name of the Lord to communicate your, your frustrations, your stress, your anxiety, your worry, your sin, your anger, your whatever it is that's going on inside of you? Do you call upon the name of the Lord to communicate that? Do you call upon the name of the Lord simply to try to get things? Do you call up, what do you call upon in the name of the Lord for? How frequently is that? So the first reference is to prayer. The first reference is Genesis 4.26. Let me read it to you again. It's very simple. Obviously, there's no explanation. There's no, there's no, there's no discussion of, of, of anything about it. It just says, And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Now I wonder. Now, 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 this, this is just this is impromptu. I'm going to look something up really quick. I'm going to look up something here. I'm just, I'm just curious. I could be wrong here. I'm not going to tell you what I'm looking up. I'm not going to tell you what I'm looking up because then that would then because I could be wrong here. So I, because I, I think I mean, I'm, I'm just curious. So I'm going to look here. I'm, gonna, I'm looking in the interlinear. You probably, you probably don't know what I'm looking up here. Do you know what I'm looking up? All right, here we go. Okay, that does not help me at all. Okay, I, I was hoping that Enos, Enos would give me, uh, oh, it just means uh, equals, according to the outline of biblical usage, it equals man. It equals man. So the focus is, if you look at it, if, if it if it equals man, if his name Enos equals man, if that's what it, I'd have to look up various sources to see if that's true. If his name in a sense means man, then, then kind of get a play on word, uh, kind of a little play on words here. Seth, to him also there was born a son and he called his name Enos, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Enos, again, if his name means man, 
or men, it represents then men then begin to call on the name of the Lord. I thought maybe it'd have some connection to calling upon the name of the Lord. It seems to have more of a connection to men. Humans begin to call on the name of the Lord. And that seems to be the, the a simple definition of prayer. I, in some ways, I wanted the first, first reference to be, have more... Like I, I, I was hoping it would be more profound. I hope I thought it would be. I was hoping it would be something like, "Wow!" I never noticed that the first reference of prayer kind of just tells us everything. But it, but in some ways, maybe there's a beauty to just how simple it is. You just call in the name of the Lord, right? Maybe there's something. It's just it's just that it's that simple. We we shouldn't complicate it. The next reference, according to this, is Genesis chapter 20. I guess he once again, I think, I think there could be some others, but okay. Genesis chapter 20. Um, Hang on. Oh, wait a minute. I think I wrote down. Okay, I'm, okay. I was in chapter twenty-one, and I'm like, that literally makes no sense. Okay, all right. Genesis chapter twenty, <laughs> verse seven. I was looking at that, going, "What in the world am I reading?" Okay, I was like, I know my my handwriting is bad. All right, but all right. Genesis chapter twenty, verse seven. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife. For he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. Now, if you know the story here, well, we'll just go back to chapter 20, verse 1. And Abram journeyed from thence towards the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourn in Gerar. Now, this is, if we've been talking about biblical geography, well, there, there's a lot of geographical locations mentioned there. And Abram said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. So Abraham lies, right? Abraham lies to protect himself, and then she's taken because she's like, okay, well, then I'm going to take her and I'm going to make her my wife, right? So then... Verse six, God said unto him in a dream, yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I have, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. So God intervenes in this situation to literally stop something from happening, to literally stop sin from taking place. Now that, from a philosophical standpoint, that always baffles me and confuses me because if God can step in there to stop sin from happening, God could step in and he could have stopped David from sin from happening. He could have stopped, he can stop me from committing sin, but he doesn't. Okay. But so in this context here, then it gets really weird. Abraham's the one, Abraham failed in a sense. He, 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 instead of risking his his life, he kind of just says, puts his wife at danger, right? So, but then notice what happens. This is so confusing. Now, therefore, so then God is telling Abimelech, okay, now this is what you need to do. Restore the man, speaking of Abraham, his wife, for he is a prophet and he shall pray for thee. Wait a minute. It's the prophet who failed. And now he gets to pray. Why is, why is, why is Abraham being looked at as the morally superior one? He's the, he's the one who morally failed, I think, in most of our minds. I think so. But he shall pray for thee and thou shall live. 
Now, what can we, so the first one just simplifies prayer. It's just calling upon the name of the Lord. This one now gives us an, a key element to prayer, all right? According to one source, all right? Um, God instructs Abimelech to have Abraham pray for him, illustrating the intercessory, intercessory nature of prayer and its role in seeking God's intervention and mercy. Intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. This, this is about interceding. Intercessory prayer, if I can say the word correctly. This is the second, this really is the second reference to prayer. And we already see that, hey, intercessory is a very key element of prayer. You should be praying for other people. Now here, it seems, it's really weird, right? Because you're like, wait a minute, why would Abraham be praying? Because he's the one, like, it seems weird, right? But we can set that aside and you can have that kind of discussion all day. But uh, I think it does get us to consider this is a key element of prayer, right? Do you call on the, uh, do you call on the name of the Lord? It's very simple, very straightforward. And then do you intercede? Do you, do you practice intercessory prayer where you're praying for other people? Are you? Who, do, who have you prayed for today? Who have you prayed for? Who? Who have you prayed for? Have you prayed for governmental leaders? Have you prayed for your kids? Have you prayed for your spouse? Have you prayed for your pastor? Have you prayed for a ministry? Have you prayed for your neighbors? Have you prayed for your coworkers? How much time have you engaged in intercessory prayer today? That's very simple and very straightforward. So our two references to prayer, first, it gives us a simple idea. Just call on the name of the Lord. Second, it tells us, now it's, it's, a, it's a weird story and you can struggle with the, some, like I, I, I struggle with the story. I'm like, wait a minute, why is Abraham praying for the guy? Okay, Abimelech should be praying for Abraham. Okay, hey, Lord, help this guy who is so cowardly that he will just give up his wife to someone to take her and be like, well, you know, Got to protect myself. I mean, like, why is he praying? The whole thing is, is well, well, yeah, we could get into a whole discussion about that. But it does show about prayer. All right. Third reference, Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to make sure I'm in the right chapter. Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord was entreated of him and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now the King James used the word and Isaac entreated of the Lord. Entreated of the Lord. Now, I am going to look up this one. I am going to look up entreated because I am curious. Go Genesis is 25. I believe it was Genesis 25. Okay, hang on. Let me look here. Yeah, Genesis 25, 21. I'm going to go down to verse 21. I'm going to put and entreated. It's all one Hebrew word. All right. It means this. Here's the uh, Hebrew word. Strong's H, 6279. Ather. 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 
Now, it's it comes, basically, it's interesting, to burn incense in worship, to intercede, right? Um, entreat, make, kind of prayer. So, um, the outline, to pray, entreat, supplicate, to pray, entreat, uh, to be supplicated, be entreated, to make supplication, plead. So the main thing is you're coming to God, you're pleading, you're you're entreating God, you're 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 coming to God asking for something. But it's still the intercessory, the intercessory nature is there, right? It's kind of there. the The interceding is there because look at what happened. Happening, what is happening? And twenty five twenty one. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. It's still the 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 interceding and praying on someone else's behalf. That that's the part that's there. That that's the part that is there. So so the first reference makes it simple: calling upon the name of the Lord. That's just that simplifies it. And I think we don't want to ever complicate it more than that. The second two references have someone praying for someone else. Well, for whatever the circumstance is, it is intercessory prayer is absolutely then. A key element in prayer that out of the, out of the, the references, out of the, the, the first three references, two of them is someone praying for someone else, not praying for themselves. So out of, out of the first five references to prayer, uh, we're, we've looked up three and two of them is intercessory prayer. Two of them is that. That's what it is. So guess what? That 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 seems to indicate. Now I'm not saying I'm not trying to make more out of the fact that these are the first five references, but it means if I'm going through the Bible and I'm just trying to learn, like, okay, I'm going through the Bible and I'm going to look at whatever topic is presented to me. Well, this topic of prayer. Okay, I'm going to follow the topic of prayer through the Bible, going in some kind of order. Well, we're clearly going in some kind of chronological order here to some level. Now I know Job would fit in there. Okay, you you get the idea. But but you know, but going through at least Genesis and the order it's presented here. We're, we're three references in, and what we see is praying for someone else. Praying for someone else. So, how much time do you engage in intercessory prayer? I, I, think, that, I think that's a challenge. Now, let's do this. Let's go back. Let's look at, so we got Genesis 4.26. We have Genesis 27. We have Genesis 25, 21. Let's go to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus. Okay, Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. Now, I, I, I still think there's some other references that should come first, but okay, these are the references that have been chosen, at least according to some sources, all right? Exodus, I, I still think that there's other things that would clearly at least allude to prayer, but this is Exodus 14, 15, and we get these words. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. All right, now, but uh, so, and the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Now, according to one source here, um, God instructs Moses to take action instead of just praying in the face of the impending threat from the Egyptian army. 
This teaches us that while prayer is important, there are also times when God expects us to take practical steps in response to our prayers. Now, okay, I don't know if that's what we should learn from this. And the Lord, so if if we kind of get some idea here of what's going on, if we look at uh, Exodus 14.10, let's get a little context here. Well, we'll go to verse 9. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and the, ho- and the horsemen and his army and overtook them and, camping, uh, and camping by the sea. All right. So they, the, the Egyptians are pursuing the children of Israel as they leave Egypt. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore thou hast dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt. Is it not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And then the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel and go forth. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand and the sea. So it's almost as if God's like, hey, stop crying out to me. It's time to move forward. It's time to go. So they put forth the emphasis on, hey, this is teaching that there's a time to pray and there's a time not to pray. I will say this. Maybe there's truth to that. You can you can have your own discussion about that. I will say that once again, though, it demonstrates an intercessory type of prayer, right? Because guess what? Moses is interceding for the people. He's interceding God. He's, he's, he's entreating God on behalf of the people. He's coming to God on the behalf of the people. So once again, it's intercessory, intercessory prayer. So that would be, that would be three. That would be the, the, that would be one reference that gives us a simple understanding of what prayer is, calling upon the name of the Lord. Then Genesis 27, praying for someone, Genesis 20, or yeah, Genesis 25, 21, praying for someone else, and Exodus 14, 15, it, it's, it clearly would be praying for someone else. Now, Moses would be involved in that because, you know, he's being impacted by this, but still, he's, he's praying for the people of Israel. So this seems to be indicating at least these five references. I still have a hard time. There's got to be, there's other references to prayer earlier on in Genesis, or in Exodus. There has to be. So I, I don't know if these are the first five, but okay, we'll, 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 we'll go with these. We'll do our own work. We'll do our own work, but this at least gets, a, gets us started. Let's go to a next, the next one, Exodus 32. Exodus 32. Exodus 32, verse 11, right? And Moses besought the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, 
Why does, doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak out and say for mischief? Did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them for the face of, of earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of the evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and, and all this land that I've spoken of, of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. So this is once again, Moses interceding on the behalf of the people. So here's what we have. The first five references that we have given to us according to one source, I still think there's earlier references, but that's okay. Or not earlier, but other references other than these first five that that would come before some of these. We have Genesis 4.26 simplifying what prayer is. You're simply calling on the name of the Lord. But Genesis 27... Genesis 25, 21, Exodus 14, 15, and Exodus 32, 11 through 14 all show those four. So four out of five show us that prayer is interceding, intercessory prayer for other people. You're involved in intercessory prayer. You are praying for other people, other people that God would forgive them. Other people, when, when, when someone falls into sin, do you ever go to God and say, Lord, I pray that you would forgive them. I pray that you would restore them. I pray that you would help them be restored back to a position of usefulness. Do you ever pray for other people to be forgiven? Do you other, other pray for other people to be restored and to washed and be cleansed and, and to find peace and, and, and to be able to rest in the mercy of God? Or do you spend more time talking about them? This is Moses interceding on be- to God. He's interceding to God on behalf of the people. Hey, God, forgive them. Turn your wrath from them. Don't destroy them. Show them your mercy. Remember your covenant that you made with them. So at least these references that are laid out here as being the first five, they seem to, to me, they emphasize intercessory prayer. Now, According to this source, these early references to prayer in the Bible emphasize the importance of prayer as a means of communication with God, a way to seek guidance, intervention, and mercy. They also illustrate the power of prayer to bring about miraculous answers and demonstrates the intercessory nature of prayer on behalf of others. Well, they definitely do, they definitely do that. Additionally, these passages show that prayer is a vital aspect of faith and relationship with God, guiding believers to express their needs, concerns, and praises before the Lord. I don't know if it does all of that. I think these first five references do this. What is prayer? Simply put, call upon the name of the Lord. What do I call on, uh, upon the name of the Lord for? For you call upon the name of the Lord on behalf of other people. You put other people first. I think this force immediately demonstrates that prayer serves as a spiritual discipline so that you take your eyes off your needs, your wants, your desires, your problems, and you put your focus on God and you focus on other people because you're commanded to love others as you love yourself and you're commanded to put others before you. Prayer is a spiritual discipline that you stop focusing on yourself, you focus on others, and you put their wants, their needs, their desires, their hopes, their situations before your own. 
That's what the first five references of prayer does for us. Call upon the name of the Lord on behalf of other people. Intercede for them. Intercessory prayer, praying for others. Praying for people who have fallen into great sin, who may deserve judgment, that they will be forgiven. That God will show mercy to them. Not for them to be destroyed, not for them to be embarrassed, not for them to be humiliated, not for them to be broken. Now, can you do that? What if that person has sinned against you? What if that person has hurt hurt you? Come on, come on. Think of a situation where someone could hurt you. They could greatly, greatly hurt you, stab you in the back, betray you. What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? Would you want to tell everyone about the betrayal? Tell everyone? Or would you want to pray to God that they will be forgiven? Oh, come on. You know what we would want to do. Today's focus are the first five references to prayer. The first five references to prayer. Now, I challenge you to go from Genesis 4, or you can even go before it, Go Genesis, so Genesis to Exodus 32. And if you see earlier references to prayer, okay. Now, maybe some sources try to just pick things that they think are very, are are more explicit about prayer. Others may seem clearly may imply prayer. They clearly may imply it, but maybe they're looking for that, which was much more explicit. So you can, you can tell me what you find, but if you find other references, what do they show you about prayer? I I have a feeling, and, and, and now that I'm thinking about it, I think mostly, at least early on, prayer seems to be much more, I, I, yeah, it, is it always, see, I'm thinking, well, I know it talks about Abraham building an altar, So yeah, I, I keep thinking that there's other there's there's other places. I think, but that's okay. These are the five that we have. These are the five we go with. But I I I so maybe some of the others, if we could find others here that that we think, okay, well, prayer is clearly implied here. But I think these are maybe picked because they're much more explicit. So, um, but I, I we we can at least take from these five references. These are early references. Prayer is simply calling on the name of the Lord, and it's calling on the name of the Lord on behalf of other people. Intercessory prayer is the key aspect of prayer in these five references. The first one just identifies what prayer is, and the other four shows you that you're praying for other people or that they're praying for other people. And I think that means then prayer, can you say, well, what's the point in prayer? Well, there, there you can clearly see the point in prayer. You're, you're taking your time. You're sacrificing your time. You're sacrificing your focus. You're sacrificing your effort to put other people before you, praying for their needs. You may even be praying for people who've committed great sin that may be even impacting you. Moses could have been pretty upset going, you know what, God? These people are doing everything wrong. They're putting us all in jeopardy where we could all, Lord, don't forgive them. But no, 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 no. Even though the the Israelite sin may even be putting him in a difficult situation, maybe even in jeopardy, he's like, 
well, I mean, obviously their, their sin is going to delay him from, even if he would, even if he would have made it into the promised land, it's going to delay him from even seeing it. Well, guess what? He still prayed and interceded for the people. I think there, I think that may be the strongest lesson there, at least for the intercessory, intercessory prayer of, um, of Moses. So there you have it. That's your today's focus. Very simple, very straightforward. It took longer than I thought, but that's okay. All right. You say, what should I do with that? I don't know. You need to give that serious thought. I just know we need to focus on prayer because we just had a 24-hour prayer meeting available on all your phones and tablets and everything right there. And I don't know what you did with it. Probably, uh, probably not a lot. Like I didn't do a lot with it. So let's see what we can do with that. All right. And then Method of Prayer by Matthew Henry. That's a book to at least look into to see if that will, I don't know, maybe help you in some way, shape, or form. All right. That is your today's focus for February the 17th. Speaking of prayer, speaking of religion, speaking of Christianity, I believe today is the 40-year anniversary for the movie Footloose. I believe it's the 40-year anniversary. And if you grew up in, in West Texas at that time, that movie had great spiritual, or great controversy for those who are a part of any Christian church. Because you're like, because there were towns in Texas at the time that literally had bans against dancing. Literally. Literally, I mean that—that's—that's that's a lot of what motivated that movie. Is stories about I think it was from Texas towns that had these actual bans against dancing, and and Footloose was all about no, no, no. And you remember the famous scene where Kevin Bacon tries to make his argument for the dance, and he tries to quote scripture. You remember that? I remember there was much discussion about that. Now the only thing that bothered me. About the movie Footloose is everything the preacher said that was accompanied that kind of music, right? That the the music it it makes you it it's accompanied. What what comes along with that music is sex and violence and fighting and drinking and partying. Well, in a roundabout way, even though Kevin Bacon had some scripture that talked about dancing, if you think about it, even before the movie is over, the preacher is kind of kind of proven to be right, right? Because all the kids who listen to that music are having sex and they're drinking. And then even what happens at the, the final prom scene at the end, there's a fight. <laughs> so like, in some ways I'm like, you're not helping your cause. Help me out here, right? Because I hated all of those rules and the hatred of music in small West Texas towns. I, I was the one fighting against it, right? I was the outcast at school. I was the one you know, bringing in music that, what the, turn that garbage off. Like even the kids in school, because it was a small country school. I was supposed to be listening to, you know, Randy Travis and George Strait and Hank Williams. And I'm like, no, 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 no country music for me. So, um, so yeah, so it's just funny that that movie, like if you were a teenager and you were, and you were associated with Christianity when Footloose came out, you were kind of like, this is my story. Like this, I, I'm I'm in the middle of this fight. Like it, it, it maybe kids who grew up in a bigger city was like, this is the most absurd. Uh, this is absurd, absurd in every way possible. But it, for us, there was it wasn't absurd. It was like this is this is a reality. 
and how do you fight it? But in some ways, I felt like the movie was like, you made their point. You made their point. I remember, that was all I could say when I left the theater. I'm like, you actually made the point that they make about argue against it. Couldn't you show that it could that it can be a positive thing and it doesn't have to end in that we can love music and dance and it doesn't have to end up in a a fight and alcohol and sex? Like, can we can we at least try to make some argument? But it it, it didn't work that way. But then you kind of realize when you are in Christianity, that even the kids who accepted the rules about music and accepted the rules about dancing, uh, they they still had sex. So <laughs> then you kind of realize maybe sex is motivated by something other than music. Uh, maybe it's motivated by, I don't know, biological desire. Okay, so then you kind of like, maybe our whole approach to this is like, hey, nobody has any desire for sex unless 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 they watch MTV or listen to a pop song. And then all of no, give me a break. Okay, so then, then you kind of realize maybe that we were kind of be giving a, a wrong approach in the first place. But yeah, so that is the 40-year 40, 40 anniversary. And uh, yeah, there, there was much, I think it is, I think it is today. I could be wrong, I could be wrong. I, th- I think it is, though. I think it is. But, um, yeah, N- not that that necessarily has something to do with prayer, but it definitely has something to do with spirituality versus the other because the movie put that, that, that contrast, that fight. You need to be giving yourself to prayer. You need to be giving yourself to this, and there's all this other world, and how do we balance that world, and how does prayer fit into all of that? Let's just know this. In the end, the kids didn't go to church for a prayer meeting. They went to prom and they had their dance outside of the city limits, right? I think that's how they they got around it. And then you have the famous, let's dance! And then, you know, then, and then the movie and then Footloose comes on. And then all of these kids who are raised in a town where dancing isn't allowed all of a sudden magically knew how to dance. Everything from break dancing, pop, lock, okay? And you're like, wait a minute. I thought these kids grew up in a town... That hey did that they didn't dance and remember how they were some of the kids in the school thought you know Kevin Bacon what's wrong with him because he's listening to this music like what was the deal so where did they learn to dance okay all right I'm sorry there we go clearly the, those kids even though they all went to church weren't focusing on prayer I don't I don't know all right there you go there's your today's focus for Saturday February the seventeenth twenty twenty four.